you need a red light or a stop sign or something. <laughs> this, is a, this is a bad section. <laughs> All right, good to see you. Good morning. I'm glad you're in church. You made a good decision today to come to church. Go ahead and find Luke chapter number 14 in your Bible, please. Glad that, uh, that you're all here and a number of you, uh, apparently, we haven't met, but uh, that won't hinder the working of God and if you're meant to be here and I'm meant to be here, it's all, it's all good. I want to show you a couple of pictures in a moment. Uh, about five weeks ago in Thailand, uh, one of our men who, uh, who I'd won to Christ quite a number of years ago, Dio, who some of you who've been here for a while would have prayed for him. It was on a Sunday afternoon, and uh, we, don't, we don't have an evening service in Thailand on a Sunday. And the reason for that is that um, people can't afford to come to church and then go home and come back again. In fact, they have to really plan ahead to be able to to have the resources to travel to church. And so uh, we've just adapted with that culturally over the years. And so we have uh, two morning services and then we have lunch and then people go home. And so it was on a Sunday afternoon, I I think four or five weeks ago, uh, Dio was in the car alone and uh, was uh, traveling and uh, the roads there are particularly bad. Anyway, he uh, he swept off the road. Can you put up the picture there and had a, uh, a very bad, a very bad uh, accident and I've seen some video, it, it, was, it was quite awful and uh, so uh, he swung off the road and you could see uh, the damage there. In, uh, in Thai culture, if somebody has a road accident, people don't rush in to help and uh, it's a little sort of unusual because over here we probably say, what can I do? How can I help? They don't, they don't do that over there. Uh, so what they do do, they will come out and look and they will just all stand around the person, the body, the, the motorcycle, the car, whatever. And nobody does anything. They just stand there. And uh, what they do, they phone for something they call the rescue service. There's no ambulance service in Thailand. And so you don't just call the ambulance you'd have to either call a private hospital and ask them to send their ambulance or otherwise you wait for uh, these volunteer groups that they call rescue service. And so what happens is uh, all the people were standing around and that's normal. Nobody uh, touched him. They were looking in, but nobody touched him. And then if you go to the next slide, uh, they eventually called the rescue service, which are... Uh, the guys over there, often what happens is that someone will stand with an umbrella over somebody. <laughs> they, do, they do do that a bit and uh, to shade them. So uh, the rescue service came and uh, if you go to the next picture, uh, they were working on uh, getting him out of the car. And to be honest, uh, we, you know, we weren't sure he was going to live or not. It was, uh, it was quite bad. And uh, anyway, they, uh, they got him out. But uh, what I wanted to share with you, and by the way, he's doing better. And uh, some people here went to prayer for Dio. 
who knew of him, a number of you, and also some people uh, gave to help with his hospital expenses, which uh, was, it was a big blessing. Uh, but what I wanted to tell you was, uh, after all this happened, when these rescue, when these rescue people arrived, uh, they were looking in and all the people were standing around or just standing back and they pulled Dio out of the car and the people, there was about between 20 and 30 standing there, Thai people from that area, and they said to the rescue people, uh, there's two people in the car. And, and the rescue people said, they looked in and, and they looked at the people and they said, there's, there's only one. And about 20 of the people said, no, no, it's not one, there's two. We've been watching them. There's two there. And a rescue looked at them and said, there's only one. And then all the people went and looked at the car again and they all started talking and they said, uh, what happened? They're all, where did the other one go? Did, did you see him get out? Did you see him go? How can this be? How, how could this happen? And so there was a lot of talk that the people there said that they saw a second person uh, in the car in the front beside him and then they didn't see him. And so uh, there was quite a discussion about that, not just with those people, but they went back to the village and everybody was sharing. And because there was so many of them, there was uh, unison that they had seen what they had seen and, uh, and they did not understand what that was. Now, I think I may understand what that was. And, uh, and Dio did tell me, he said, uh, he said, I was slumped in the car and he said, I could feel life draining out of me that I was going to die. And he said, I prayed. He, he, he just, you know, he told me in Thai. He said, I prayed the Lord would forgive me of my sins. And he cried while he told me. And he said, I prayed that God would spare my life. And please let me see my wife and my child. And please let me keep serving. So Dio, Dio has recovered. But of course, the people went out to the village and started telling what they had what they had seen, there was a man in that village that Dio had been trying to win to Christ for a number of years who, who had not got saved. And if you go to the next slide, he, uh, he turned up at the church on Friday night, that's him, uh, which was just a few days into the next week after the accident, and he came and said, can I, can I receive Christ, can I get saved today? He said, uh, I, I, he said I don't know... Uh, who the other person in the car was with Dio. I don't understand that. He said a lot of people came to the village and asked me because they knew that I knew Dio. And he said all I could tell them was that Dio knows God and he's of God and it's probably something to do with that. So that man got saved. And then two nights later, if you go to the next slide, uh, the three in front there, uh, another three came. And uh, they prayed for salvation as well. And so uh, Dio's doing a lot better. Uh, you can stop the pictures now. Dio's doing a lot better. And uh, thank you for praying for him. You know, God works all things together for good. Uh, God even works things that we wish didn't happen together for good. Uh, God even works things together for good when it's our fault. Right? 
there's, there's not a criteria there. Well, you, you've got to have done the right thing and it's got to have been blessed and, and it's got, no, no. God has an ability to take bad things and sometimes dark things and, and do something with it that works unto good. And God does that again and again and again. And he doesn't make something bad happen to you so that can take place. But you can be assured in this sinful, fallen world, bad stuff does happen. There isn't anybody here this morning who can explain everything that's ever happened in your life. In fact, there are many. The older you get, the more questions you'll have. And you won't always be able to answer your own questions. Sometimes you'll be saying to yourself, why did that happen? Or what if? Or I don't understand that. And you don't have to. There's no... There's no promise here that God is going to answer your questions. What he would do is to direct you to the scriptures and he would say to you, I have said what I have said. Believe me when I say it. And uh, we just need to trust him sometimes when we don't understand what's happening. And if you've had that experience, you're no different to many people who lived before you and many people who lived in the Bible times who had that. You know that Job never got an explanation. Do you know what changed Job's life? What changed Job's life at the end was when he heard the voice of God. And when he, when he communed with God, and mostly it was God speaking, but when he communed with God, it just settled it. And, and after that, he didn't need to ask why. He didn't even ask why. It, it was enough God's here. God has said some things. I don't need, it doesn't matter about the why now. I just need to get on with it. And many things in your life are going to be that way. And, uh, and you're not, no matter how wise you are, and no matter how godly you are, and no matter how prayerful you are, and no matter how spiritual you are, you will not sidestep all the problems of life. You're going, you're going to have some problems. You're going to fall in a hole sometimes. You're going to have some disappointments. You're going to have some things that don't... You, it doesn't matter how wise you are. You can't get around all of that. It's part of the earthly experience. And uh, wel welcome, welcome, because that's, that's our journey. But what never changes is God and his word. And, and his love for you never changes. And you might say, well, I'm just not feeling it. It hasn't changed. It was never dependent on what you're feeling. Well, I, I don't feel I'm giving him as much as I used to. It was never about what you were giving him. It was given to you before you ever gave anything. And that's the love of God. So uh, I wanted to share that with you. Let's uh, have a look at our passage here. I want to read to you a parable and just talk to you about our times and where we're at. And uh, this is probably more a... Uh, an exhortation uh, more than an exegesis. But um, Luke chapter 14, uh, Jesus is speaking and uh, he's answering somebody and you could read the background. I'm going to pick up on uh, verse number 16. And uh, this, this parable concerns our times. And uh, this, this parable... Uh, should help us to understand what the priorities of God uh, 
is in our day, our are. Then he said unto him, verse 16, a certain man made a great supper and bade many. Now, as you're reading this, you, you, you might want to be thinking, I think that certain man could be the Lord. All right? And that, that would be accurate if you were looking at it that way. And just notice some of this. You know, a certain man made a great supper and bade many. That means he, he just invited many and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come for all things are now ready. And they all, with one consent, began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I've bought a piece of ground and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have brought five yoke of oxen and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor, the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou commanded and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. Now I'll stop there, and as I said, I, it, I won't do a deep exegesis here. I want to talk to you about the times that we live in and to, to, to understand uh, where we are at in our day. And I have a chart there, if you will put that up, that um, we don't have a pointer here, do we? All right, how about this? All right, that's, that, I like that. That's, too much technology is not good for anybody, so we'll just, we'll just do this. So there's a, a chart there on the wall, and the intent of the chart is to, it's just to help us to understand the times that we're living in, okay? So this is not going to be an exegesis of the end times, and I, I want to sort of keep focused on our parable, but basically the plan of God involves a 7,000-year period of time, all right? So, so you have to decide, and I'm not going to bog down on it because I've already decided, but you have to decide if you believe the Bible or you don't. But if you, if you believe the Bible, then what we have according to the Bible, uh, which is always true, is we had 4,000 years before the Lord Jesus Christ came. So from Adam to Christ, we had 4,000 years. Now we're pointing this out because in 2 Peter 3.8, it says, but beloved, and this was in context of an end times discussion, but beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Now, we didn't have that scripture until we had that scripture. So, so we didn't have that in, in Old Testament scriptures. Uh, God, God, God is kind of, God. what God does, he progressively reveals things to us. Now, that does not mean, and you've got to be careful with this, that does not mean there is new revelation. 
Okay, everything that God has said, is, it's, it's bookended already. It has a beginning, it has an end. But look at it this way. It's like there's a curtain that God is gradually pulling back, revealing the truth uh, of things uh, as he has declared them to be. So we're not discovering new things. We're just seeing the things that he said. So, so what we believe, what, certainly what I believe, is, is that that is pointing to the fact of, of the timing of where we're at. So 4,000 years uh, up until Christ's first coming, that was the Old Testament period. And now, so for you and I, what we're in now, we're in that, that next part, which is that 2,000 years. All right? So, we, so it means we've had f- about 4,000 and we've had about 2,000. And uh, we do understand that nobody has exact dates to the day. Are we clear on that? So there's, there's, some, there's some movement there of uh, some years. There's some, some debate about the exact year that Christ came. We, we think we know, but there's, there's a little bit. There's some movement even in terms of our calendar. Uh, has, have we lost a few years with our calendar? Or, and, so, so, and I think that's deliberate of God to keep things just a little bit obscure uh, we're not claiming that we know the day, but it's very clear that in our time, God birthed you in this church age. And that's that time from, you know, uh, after the cross up to where we are now. The next thing that's going to happen, and it's going to happen soon, and it could be this year, and it could be next week. Or it could be in two years. It might even be six or eight, but it's going to be very, very soon. I lean to earlier rather than later in the timing I just told you. If you've studied the Bible and you see the things that are happening, everything is in alignment with where it's supposed to be prior to the tribulation period. So, so even the rise of China... You know, we talk about China. China. China was mostly a non-event to the world 100 years ago. People didn't talk about China. China, China the Japanese overran China easily in, uh, in World War II. They were just an, an, a non-power. Yet, yet the Bible spoke of the fact that the kings of the East would amalgamate together and would be a global army to be reckoned with in the tribulation period. The rise of China and, and the rise of Asia, I'm young and old enough to remember when you would read Time or Newsweek and the front page of those magazines would say, The Awakening of the Asian Tigers. And it, w- it was talking about how that Asia was coming alive economically and becoming a new powerhouse. So all of these things are in place. Uh, Israel is back in their land. Uh, uh, what we thought would never happen, anti-Semitism is on the rise again. And suddenly people hate the Jews but don't know why. And suddenly there's a global move against the Jews but, but they don't understand why. And, uh, and they're, they're crying out catchphrases and such without understanding the history. So the next thing that's going to happen is going to be the rapture of the church. Jesus Christ is going to come in the air and he's going to call us unto himself. 
Okay, this, this is different to the second coming of Christ. In the rapture, Christ will not be seen by the world. In the second coming of Christ, he'll be seen by everybody. All right? And that, that period between the rapture and the second coming of Christ is a seven-year period. All right? Now, this is all... We don't have time to... Do, you'd do a series on this if you wanted to, to lay all this out and turn to the Bible. My focus this morning is to remind you of where we're at, to, to, to tell you to understand our times. And where we are, we're, we're very near the rapture. What's going to happen at the rapture? Well, people are going to go. But, but more than that, what is going to happen is the Holy Spirit will be withdrawn uh, and he will not be here in the same way that he's here now. Now, you've never experienced that because you were born into a world where when somebody gets saved, what happens? The Spirit of God comes into you. That has to happen. Uh, how can a man be born again except by the Spirit of God? You have to be, you, you need a new birth. That's a resurrection from the dead, spiritually. You are, you, you quickened uh, brought alive by the Holy Spirit. When somebody gets saved, the Holy Spirit comes within. That's different to how it was in the Old Testament. You, you say, wasn't it always that way? No, it was not that way. Not at all. It, it wasn't. And it's about to be not that way again. We're in a very unique period of this church age. Some call it the age of grace. And it's about to end. It's about to be over. And, and this, this period we're in was the period of this great invitation that is spoken of here. This is, this is the period where, where the Lord has given this great invitation to the world and to all peoples of the world to come to Christ, to come to salvation. And, uh, and this has been an age where uh, the gospel has been preached in every place. Uh, it went out from Jerusalem and it's made its way around the world. And that's, that's the timing that we find ourselves in. And I think sometimes we don't understand the uniqueness of our times. And I, and I get that because when you're just born into it, it's, well, it's all you know. You know, I, I, I often think about the fact that Suzanne and I remember a different Australia. I think about when I was a boy, Australia was very different. And I, and I think about the street my grandparents lived on and uncles and aunties. And I think about how we did life back then. I think about when I went to Nashville State High School, uh, now Brackenridge State High School over here, and look back on my school photos. You, you know, we, we, only had, we only had one coloured boy in the whole church, in the whole school of 900 students. And then you say, well, what does that mean? I'm just saying that was the times. It was just, it was just different in lots of ways. And, uh, but, hey, if you're born into things in the last 20 years, well, you don't know about that. If you're born in the last 30 years, you don't know about that. You only know what you see now. Uh, but I'm telling you, there was, a, there was a different time. And I think sometimes we don't understand the hour that we are in. And we don't understand the pressing mandate of God 
to get the gospel out. It's the main thing that God cares about now. Most, you know, God gets it. You've got to live. You've got to pay your bills. You know, you've got to go to work. You know, if, if you're getting old, you've got to have some plan for how you're going to survive. And none of that is wrong. The Lord gets that. But he would like you to get the fact that all of that will be left behind and will count for nothing eternally. He'd like you to understand that. He'd like you to understand that that's something you have to do in life, but that's not the purpose of life. And the purpose that he wants you to get your head around is that we are supposed to be telling other people about the gospel and, and understanding it's never been as easy as it is right now. It's never, it's never the, the, the hands of God have never been held open as wide as they are right now. I mean, it's not hard to be saved. It's not, it's not hard to believe and receive. It really, and God has it's, it's just been very generous in his offering of salvation in our day. Now, if you were back on the other side of the cross, it was not that way. You understand it wasn't that way. Jesus, uh, uh, God never said to the Jews, go you into all the world and preach the gospel. Never. It was never. They were a separated people. They were separated unto God. They, they were never evangelistic in the Old Testament. Never. And never even thought about it. In fact, when something happened, where people were reached outside of the Jewish nation, it was an anomaly. Well, Jonah was an anomaly. Jonah didn't even want to go. Jo Jonah wasn't a red-hot evangelist. Jonah was a Jewish prophet who wasn't much interested in people who weren't Jews. And he had no desire to go. It was an anomaly. And that's what you have to understand. Uh, uh, in fact, in <clears throat> Luke chapter 4, uh, when Jesus was teaching a group of Jews, uh, he said to them, he said, uh, uh, in the time of the famine, in Elijah's time, uh, there were many widows who had need, but God sent Elijah to only one, and she, she was a non-Jew. And, and he, said, uh, he said, in the time of of uh, Elisha, uh, he said there were many lepers, but only Naaman, uh, who was a non-Jew, not of Israel, only Naaman was helped. Now you can go back and read that in Luke, 20, uh, Luke 4 from about verse 25, but here was the reaction when Jesus said that. Now I just said it and you just go, mm. but when, when they heard it, fury and anger came over them. And, and they got so angry, just in hearing that, go back and read it, they got so angry, they took Jesus up to a hill and it said they were going to throw him off the top of the hill and the Bible uses this wonderful word called headlong. They're going to throw him off headlong, you know, which means throw him off head first. Lovely. And uh, that's, that was their reaction to the sermon. Why were they outraged? Because, because in their mind, how dare you talk about the Lord reaching out to the Gentiles like this way? 
How, how dare you bring that up and, uh, and point that out? They just were not of that mind. And that was, that was how they were uh, for all of the, uh, the Old Testament period. Now, if you had been back in that 4,000-year period and let's say that uh, you had in your heart a desire to know the Lord, you know, something in you said, you know, I, I just feel there's more to life and I, I feel there's a God and, and I'd like to connect with him some way and let's say you just had that desire and you're an Aussie and, uh, and you go and, and let's say you're on a, you know, a hill and you look down and you see the camp of Israel. And here they are all camped around the tabernacle. And you look down and you say to somebody who's there, you say, oh, what is that? And uh, that man says to you, he said, well, uh, that's, the, that's the people of God and uh, that's the tabernacle. And you say, what's the tabernacle? And he said, well, it's uh, that, that thing you can see, that tent-like structure uh, that's, that's uh, divided into three sections. You say, well, w- what does that mean? Well, there's an, there's an outer, but then there's a, a, another room under that covered area called the holy place, and you go right. Uh, but there's another room partitioned off by a curtain called the holy of holies, and you say, well, what, what happens there? And they say, oh, that's special because... The, the presence of God is there. And you go, that's what I'm looking for. I mean, that's, that's what I'm looking for. Thank you, because now I can go. And he goes, no, 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 no. No, you can't go. And you say, well, what do you mean? I, I, I can't go. He goes, no, no. You see, if you wanted to go into there to the presence of God, you, you'd have to be of Israel. And you say, well, I'm, you know, I'm an Australian. And uh, he said, well, you have to be of Israel. Well, you say, well, if I was of Israel, I could go and I could go into the presence of God. Well, no, More, not just Israel. You'd have to be of the tribe of Levi. And then you say, well, so if I was of Israel and I was the tribe of Levi, I, 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 could, I could go to the presence of God. Well, not really. See, because you'd have to be of Israel and of the tribe of Levi, but you'd have to be a priest. So if I was of Israel and I was of the tribe of Levi and I was a priest, I could go to the presence of God? And he said, well, no, not really, because you'd have to be of Israel and you'd have to be the tribe of Levi and you'd have to be a priest, but you'd have to be the high priest. And you say, so if I was of Israel and of Levi and I was a priest and the high priest, then I could go to the presence of God? And he'd say, well, you could, but only one day a year. And I'm just saying that's how it was. That's how it was. It wasn't like this. This this grand period we're living in, this period of grace, This church age, the priority of God is that the gospel goes forth into every place. And now there's two forces at work in your life. There's there's the God part working in you and through the word of God and 
speaking to you. And then there's another part where the devil just wants to keep you asleep. Now, he understands he can't get you lost. He understands that if you're a child of God and you're adopted into the family of God, nothing unadopts you. Once the Spirit of God comes in you, 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 you're quickened, you're sealed by God, you're His. And He gets it that you can't be lost. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't hinge with you. Uh, if you're a child of God and you get bad enough, He'll just take you home. Uh, that's what He did to some in, in the church in Corinth. But you can't be lost. So the devil understands that. So what's the next best thing? Well, let's put you to sleep. Let's, let's distract you. Let's, let's make your every waking moment about you. Let's make you think about your problems. How about you think about that all day? In fact, how about you get tired as you think about all your problems? Or maybe this, you might need to read a self-help book that will help you analyse yourself a little deeper. And uh, my, there's plenty to think about there. And what it, the plan is, whatever he can do to get you to spend your life on everything except what God wants us to do. And that's what's going on in the church today. Uh, we, 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 uh, we live in the period of Laodicea. That 2,000-year period could be divided into seven little periods. And we're right in the last one. And the Laodicean period was the period where the people were rich or said they were or seemingly were from the world's side but not from God's side. And they, they said, we, you know, we have everything. And the Lord rebukes that church and says, you are, you're lukewarm. You're just, you're really awful. You know, if you were cold, I could heat you up. You know, if you were hot, we could do something with you. But you're just this sort of awful lukewarm. And Sarah told me, she got, she said, I drove to Starbucks yesterday and ordered a coffee and I had to wait on it and I drove off and when I drank it, it was lukewarm. I said, honey, take it back. You know, you should, I don't drink lukewarm. And she just did. But I mean, no one likes that. No, you, you know, and the Lord is saying, I just wish you were one thing or the other. You know, if you're cold, maybe I can revive you. Maybe I can get a breakthrough. Or if you, if you get hot, you do something for God. But the, 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 the analogy given to the Laodicean period is the church is lukewarm. And, and we're not understanding, number one, how close we are to the rapture. We're not understanding how close we are to leaving everything behind. And, and you say, well, bless God, I'll be in heaven. Well, bless God, you have a judgment day coming. Well, well bless God, uh, we shall all give account to the Lord for the things done in the body. Well, bless God. Well, bless God, you must front your saviour with how you lived your life. Now, not everybody's called to be a missionary. In fact, it, it's, it's, it's not a huge number. Not everybody's called to be an evangelist or a pastor. Everybody is called to be a voice telling the gospel. And, and everybody needs to understand that. And everybody understands a lot of the other things, ought to understand a lot of the other things you're fretting about 
really are just inconsequential. You're not going to go to the Lord when you get to heaven and want to sit down and review your life and, and just get a few answers. You know what? You won't care. You won't care. You'll be, you'll be so glad to be in the presence of God. You'll have, you'll have joy unending. Nobody here has joy unending. Some of us have tasted it, uh, but it goes again. But you'll have joy unending. You know what heaven is called? Your rest. Do you know why it's called your rest? Because this is not your rest. This is your labour. This is when you're supposed to be working. And this parable is about our times. And it's about the fact that the, the, the master said in verse 17, go and tell them to come for all things are now ready. Well, listen, everything is ready. Christ has come. He, he, he came. You know, they were hanging out for him to come. Did you know that? Jesus, Jesus said to some, he said, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. You know, think about that. You know what that means? It means Abraham was down in paradise waiting. I mean, waiting, waiting. And, and, and then when it finally happened, said it was a rejoicing day because the Saviour had come and, and he was about to do everything that was going to bring salvation to all those before the cross and all those after who believed by faith. Uh, Moses and Elijah appeared to the Lord on the mountain. Uh, do, you, do you get it that there was a whole plan and operation here? Do you get it that people were hanging on the moment for Christ to come? Do you, do you get it that the Old Testament saints, that they were dead but they were still alive? And, and, and what, a, what a wonderful day it was for them when finally he came and, 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 and he took upon himself the sin of the whole world, my sin and, and your sin and the sin of all the world. And, and so now it's done. He died for our sins. God, he was dead, dead. Three days and three nights later, God raised him from the dead to authenticate that he was well pleased with, with the sacrifice of his only begotten son to show that he has power over death. And so now the whole idea is it's all been done. You just go and tell. You're supposed to tell people. You know, there, there are people all around the world crying out to know. Everywhere. And now, if you read the parable, as they went out with the invitation to come, that all things were ready, there was several, and I won't go into the excuses because it doesn't really matter. Really, an excuse is just an excuse for you. When, when someone says, I can't because of, that's really just for you, particularly about salvation. Because God knows that your I can't is really, no, you could. You could. You, you, you could say, well, I just married, but hey, honey, we need to be at this banquet. We need to go. Well, honey, we just married, I know, but there'll never be an opportunity like this. You could say, well, I bought the land and I do need to get back to that, but but this is important. The fact of it is, it's called excuses because that's all they were. 
They just made excuse. People make excuse today. People are searching for things to cling on to to justify their rejection of God. And, and you can do that. And you can probably find six friends to agree with you. And you can probably turn on the ABC and they'll agree with you too. And you can go to uni and, and you know, you, your lecturer will probably agree with you too. Well, isn't that good? Because now they agree and, you know, the ABC agrees and, and half a dozen of your friends, as you sit down and sip a wine together, they all agree. So you must be okay, right? Mm, just wait and see. Just wait and see how well that excuse will work. Just, just keep playing the game, telling yourself that I don't believe for this reason and I don't believe because of this and I don't believe because we all know this and we do, do we? And just, just tell yourself that and tell yourself that the few people who do seem to be really switched on for Christ are just kind of fruit loops and ignorant and uneducated and, you know, dinosaurs or whatever. Just tell yourself that <coughs> and you can say whatever you want to say. But the hour will come where you will breathe your last and you can have all your family around you and after you're gone, they might have a wonderful service and say wonderful things about you. They might even say, wear, wear your brightest clothes because, you know, she always loved that. Uh, they, they might say, don't, don't feel sorry for him. Come and have a beer. And remember the good times. They might even say, well, now he's up entertaining the angels in heaven. And though they say whatever they're going to say, but the truth of it is, the awful truth that is going to come home to all of us is to die without Christ is to be placed in hell and, and to be there up until the judgment day where you will be cast into a lake of fire. And you can, you can laugh at that. You can cut it out of your Bible. You can say, well, I don't think anyone believes that anymore. You can even go and find a cult that tells you there's no hell. You can do whatever you want to do, but none of that will help you in that hour. You're coming to an end. And your life on earth is coming to an end. And you might have a few years or you might have a few weeks. You might have a few months. There, there were many who once sat beside you who are no longer here. But, but don't think they're not alive. You, know, you say, but I, I know where they're buried or I've seen their ashes. Oh, that's just their earthly remains. Don't think they're not alive. They're alive. They're alive. In fact, if, if they were here, they'd be yelling amen much more than you do if they were here because they know what's true. But we know what's true as well. Well, you, you have some people who are going to make excuses. Well, who hasn't had that? Say, so, well, I tell people and, and they don't want to listen. Well, that's good. Find someone who does. You don't have to bog down on that. You, you, don't, 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 don't say the gospel doesn't work. Well, people have changed. Listen, people have been changing for thousands of years. The gospel of Christ is the same. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God under salvation to any people in any place, anywhere. And it works. It works. The devil just got to convince you it doesn't work. 
but it still works. And you, so some people say no. Well, what, what do you do? Well, you, you they went back and said, well, master, now some of them, uh, they, they, they don't want to come. Well, let's just call the party off. Well, let's not, let's not invite anymore. No. He said, okay, fine. Go out and find, find the ones who will come. Go out. I remember preaching the gospel in, uh, in uh, Tasmania. I don't know if some people here come from Tasmania. It was in a little town of 2,250 people. That's what the sign said as you drove into the town. And because I'm about to say something negative, I'm not going to tell you what town it was. But, uh, but I, I was there and uh, we were preaching the gospel and I was there for a couple of years <coughs> and people were getting saved. Oh, you say, that's good. This is good. People are coming to Christ in an in a unusual way for that place. And uh, you say, what happened? Well, what, what do you think happened? You, what, do you, what do you think the town said? Let's all get together and give Pastor Shemish three cheers for coming down here and preaching the gospel. That's not what they did. No, I'll tell you what they did. No, they drove past my house at night when I had two small children and they threw rocks that big. And I'm not exaggerating. And they threw them through the windows. And some had notes wrapped around them. And they would smash through the windows at night onto the floor where the children, in the children's room. And we had to, we had to pull the children into sleep beside us. That's what they did. And then I'd, I'd wake up and they'd taken all the rubbish and, and emptied it all across the front yard. That's what they did. That's what they did. And then I remember the morning we woke up and they'd painted in large black letters, six foot high, graffiti across all the front of the house. And, the, and people have been driving past that street and seeing it in the morning before I got out there and saw it. That's what they did. That's what they did. No, no, not everybody accepts. Not everybody accepts. You say, what did you do? I kept on preaching. I'm still here years later. I'm still telling what's true. You know, don't, don't complain. Well, when I tell people they don't like me, listen, I've got a hanky, let me help you. This, that must be devastating. Would, 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 would Medicare cover a, an appointment? Perhaps you'd get counselling about that. Are you going to be okay? I mean, I mean, what's wrong with us? Well, they, some people don't listen. No, lots of people don't listen. But lots of people do listen. Lots of people do listen. There, there are people out there now who, who get it, the world's a mess. Who, who, who get it, this place is just a disaster. You know what we're living on right now? We're on the Titanic. You, this, this ship ain't going to make it. It's marked already. This ship is going down. It's going down. So let's have an argument about the wallpaper in the dining room. Or, or how, about, how about we have an argument about where the deck chairs should be? You, you like you know, here and I, uh, should we do that? This ship is going down and everybody on it is going down. So you know what you do? You do the only thing that makes sense. You tell people where the lifeboat is and you tell people how you get saved. 
you're not going to save the ship. You're not going to save Australia. I, I, I mourn the state of the country. I think about my grandfather who fought in Papua New Guinea, who was a rat of Tobruk fighting Rommel in West Africa. I think about my family before that. I think about my family who came to Mudgery Bar and got a crown grant of land to, from the crown to, to occupy that land. And I think about all the generations and, and what happened here and I look at where we are today. And I mourn the state of our country. But you're not going to save it. You're not, it, it, she's mortally wounded. She's not going to recover. Now, now, you know, would to God it doesn't go any faster than, you know, than it need go. But what you can do, you need to tell people how to be saved. And this, this man said, well, okay, they don't want to come. You go out and you find the ones who will. And, and, and don't worry about the people who make excuse because there are people out there who want to know. I don't think Thailand's ever been as open as it is right now. I, 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 right, right now, there are more places that need churches planted than I've got people to send. Uh, uh, I've, we've gone from a place uh, that was put in the same category as Japan as being extremely difficult to reach people for Christ. And God is saving people. We've had 12 people saved in the last month, 12 adults. Uh, we had three saved three days ago uh, in, in another place. I mean, God, people over there are like, oh, you know what's going to happen? Time is going to beat us. Time is going to beat us. There's need everywhere. There's people in South America. If you tell them, they will believe. There's people in Australia who just haven't heard. There's people all over. If they do hear, they will believe. And Jesus said, all right, in the parable, he says, all right. Look in verse 21, I'm about done. Uh, go out, by the way, go out. You know, well, no, I just sit and wait for them to come. You're supposed to go, go to them. Go out. You're already going out tomorrow somewhere. Uh, take some tracks. Have a go. Have a chat. You know, talk to someone. Why not? Do something. And, and do what the Lord wants you to do before it's over. And he said, well, go out and, and in the streets and the lanes, you know, and bring in the hither. Notice this, the poor, the poor, the maimed, the halt and the blind. Those people are out there. I want to show you a picture. Can you put up that picture of Curtis? So, uh, eight, that's my son Curtis, as you know, eight months ago uh, in Thailand, uh, we had our first grandchild born in Thailand. We have grandchildren here, but the first one born in Thailand where we are. And so she's a little girl. And I show the second, the next slide. And that's, uh, that was Curtis and Dow, his wife, and the little girl who's our grandchild and his first child and daughter, we called Joyce because my grandmother was called Joyce and she was a lovely lady, so, so we, we, uh, they called her Joyce. 
And uh, when that happened, it was a moving day for Suzanne and I. How do I explain that? Well, I don't know. I guess the youngest boy, married now, is a child, you know, the last one, and uh, born over there, and his wife's Thai. You know, who would have thought? Did you, did you ever have the family you thought you were going to have, and now you have the family you actually have? And I don't say that derogatory. I just say that in the way that how you thought it was going to go and how it's actually gone, right? And we don't all need to, but, you know, we, we get that, right? And uh, she's lovely. His, his wife is lovely. We love her. Well, that was a moving day for us, and, and, uh, and I was thinking about it through the day. So here's what I was thinking. Oh, how blessed you are, little girl, to be, to be born to a mother and father who love you and who, who love the Lord, and Curtis has a very, a very disciplined devotional life, prayer, uh, reading his Bible, uh, serving. Um, he's got a faith that he's taken on himself. He doesn't live off dad's faith. He's got things he believes himself. He's very authentic. And, and by the way, there are people sitting here who had significant influence in Curtis's life. And... and so that was a, it was a moving day. So I'm thinking about it through the day. You know what happened on the same day? And I was in the same day. Go to the next slide. The same day this was sent to me. And what that is, that picture is in Burma. And Burma neighbours Thailand. They, they're a, they, you know, there's a land border. And... Um, that's a picture of a lady about Dow's age who gave birth to a little girl as well. But she gave birth to a little girl under a bridge, under a railway station in Burma because she didn't have any money to go to a hospital and she didn't have any family house to go to. And so she, she laid there under the bridge and was born to her in that place, a little girl also. Go to the next picture. And you can see them, you can see them trying to help their people picking up that little girl. And I thought about that. Go to the next picture. And I thought about the fact that you know, that little girl didn't get to choose where she was born. My, my granddaughter was born in a hospital with a loving mother and father who are going to take her home and love her and, and help her and will teach her about the things of the Lord. That little girl didn't get to pick any of that. She, she, she's, a, she's a cute baby like my granddaughter. She, she was born the same time. And she was born under a bridge with a mother who has no money, no hope, no Jesus, and, and I don't know what would become. You say, what do you do when you see that? Well, I, I felt the Lord brought it to me on the same day that that happened to just sort of move in my heart a bit. And, and it did. I, I felt, here's what I felt, I felt pity. And I even prayed this. Lord, is there some way I can help? 
God, do you want me to take that child? Can I, can I take that child? Is there something I can do? And I, and I, I prayed about it and I, 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 I teared up a little bit and I thought, you poor little thing. None, none of that, none of that was, was your choosing. That wasn't, that wasn't the life that you would have chose and here you are born into that. What I'm saying is that there are the maim, the poor, the blind, and we ought to have some pity. And we ought to have the pity that would cause us to want to tell people about Christ. Because do you know that Jesus changes people's lives? Do you you know I've lived in a land where people are poor and I've seen what happens when people come to Christ? And everything changes. I mean, you... You get heaven, but you get a whole lot right now. And, and I'm, I'm just saying that, that something is wrong with the people of God. We have lost our pity. We, 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 have, we, are, we are not moved about what we should be moved about. You have no right to enjoy your comforts if you have no concern for those who have nothing. You know the, do you know why there's a rich man in hell tonight that is recorded in Luke 16? He's still there. By his own mouth, he said, I am in torments in this place. You know why he's there? He's there because he just didn't give a thought about what was outside of his gates. There was a man outside of his gates in poverty who the dogs licked his sores and you know what that rich man did he stepped over him on his way out doing life he just stepped over him it's not wrong it's not wrong to be prospered in fact God does prosper people it's not wrong to be blessed it's not wrong to have things that's not wrong it only becomes wrong when we don't care about the poor the needy the halt the blame those who can't help themselves. That's when it's wrong. It's wrong when we lose our pity. And so in this parable, the parable was, okay, go out to those ones. Go find them and tell them. You know, there are millions of people in Burma who've never heard, but if they did hear, they would would believe. Isn't that shameful? They just haven't heard. You know why? Nobody wants to go to Burma. There's an area in Thailand called Isan. One third of Thai people live there. It's the least resource. No missionaries want to go there. You know, in Chiang Mai, in the north of Thailand, it's a lovely place. The weather's good. It's a nice place. They have good restaurants there as well. Nice hotels. It's, It's pleasant. You know what the Thai government said recently? They have issued 5,000 missionary visas to Chiang Mai. But nobody wants to go to Isan. See, see, even some missionaries are fudging it a little bit. Even some missionaries are deciding based on comfort rather than need. And what we need to do is we need to understand the hour that we live in. And we need to understand the nearness to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ to call us into the air. You say, Pastor Shemish, when will it happen? 
It'll happen soon. It'll happen soon. The church will be emptied. There might be one or two who turn up Sunday morning, but most will be gone. The pianos will go quiet. The pulpit will be of no use anymore. The place will be done. It will be the end. But up until then, whilst we can, we need to be preaching the gospel. Get some tracks in your pocket. Do what you can do. You say, I'm shy. Pray for boldness. I'm tired. Pray for strength. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings of eagles. They shall run and not be faint. Do what you can do for the cause of Christ. Let's bow our heads for prayer as we conclude the service. I'd like somebody to come and play the piano, please. And let's go ahead and stand because some folks would probably want to use the altar this morning. And, and how about you don't block them in? You say, oh, I don't think the person beside me would want to go. <laughs> or maybe, maybe. Let's have the piano play a little bit here this morning. I wonder if you would do your best to just say, Lord, you know, in my remaining hours, years, months, whatever I have, I'm not great at it. Sometimes I don't know what to say, but I'll just do my best to be telling others about you. I can give out a track. I can put a track in a letterbox. I can do something. Maybe the Lord has spoken to you about that this morning, that you would just come and pray and ask the Lord, you know, pray for those in need. Pray for the babies born in Burma like that little girl. I prayed for that girl many, many times. And just ask the Lord to, to help you, to help you, to, to catch it. You might need to say, Lord, I've fallen asleep and I need to wake up. Help me. Uh, God, I, I, I just need a stirring. Uh, maybe you're already doing what you can do. You know, God bless you. God bless you. That's all he asks you to do, just to do what you can do. But let's see the need and let's realize the hour of where we're at. You know, there are some people in the church, I just don't think they're ever going to wake up. It's probably too late. They're in a deep slumber now. But it's not everybody. There's others. There's others. I remember being a 20-year-old man, hearing a message preached. And I said, Lord, I, I'll do what I can do. I remember just surrendering to the Lord at that age. I remember where I was. I remember what was said. You know, just whatever it is the Lord has spoken to you about, let's realize the hour. Uh, don't get weary. Pray for strength. Don't be overcome by your problems. You know, sometimes we think this only happened to me. No, it's happened to a lot of people. Not just you. Yeah, but, but I'm really hurting. Yeah, they, they, they are too. And probably some not that far away from you. Don't be overcome by that. Just do what you can do. Don't lose your way. Just take some time. God help me. God help me. I, I get it when you're weighed down. I get it when life's just thrown a hardball at you. And I, I really do get that. I get it when you're lonely. I get it when you just feel weak and you feel like I, I, I can barely get by myself let alone talk to others. I, I get all that. But the Lord can help you. And, and the Lord can use you. He can use you. He can use you. It's not done yet. While you have life, 
the Lord wants to use you.